Welcome to HIV Frontlines, U.S. Edition, a podcast series from TheBody.com, focusing on frontline workers in the HIV epidemic in the United States. In this series, we'll talk with the dedicated people who work tirelessly to fight HIV, from HIV prevention workers and treatment advocates to outspoken journalists and policymakers. For more information on this podcast, including a full transcript, please visit us on the web. My name is Vanessa Austin, and I work at Harlem Hospital Center in New York City. In New York City, where we're in the epicenter of the crisis, we have a collaboration of hospitals and CBOs working together. That's really making the difference, doing major events and minor events, working together, getting where the people are. That's what seems to work. It's not just one agency. Harlem Hospital provides state-of-the-art, excellent care for the people in the community. But it wouldn't matter if we didn't partner with other CBOs so that we can get the people. Our collaborations is what's making the difference with the community, so that's what I see working. For an example, for National Black HIV Awareness Day, we partnered with Abyssinian Church and Blacka and Harlem Hospital and the Ryan Center were able to test over 100 people. And we had some positives, and we were able to link them directly to care right there in front of the hospital. We were in front of the Schomburg, which is right across from Harlem Hospital. You mentioned earlier that you've worked with some church groups. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, yes. I have some very, very good, powerful partners like Greater Mount Zion and Abyssinian and, oh, just a host of churches. We're in the midst of a revolution. I worked with World Changes, Creflo Dollars Church. We're in the middle of a revolution of changing lives. You know, in the old days, churches were the social service agencies. So now churches are stepping back up, especially in my community. They're stepping up to come in and to bring us in to do testing and counseling and educating. And as a Christian woman, I have a really good inroad with the churches because I have to indoctrinate the information warriors. I have to let grandma know that if she tests, she can wave her paper at her grandson and say, grandma tests what's wrong with you? I have to be able to take people who can sit down and write down every single word that the pastors say and make them information warriors for prevention because they can and they will and they do. What do the information warriors do once you've spoken to them? Once I've spoken to them, they invite us to their health fairs, their neighborhoods, their senior centers. They go home and they take the information that we give them, the pamphlets, the flyers, their literature. They go and talk to their family members. They go and talk to their friends. And they go and talk to their friends in the senior centers where they're having a lot of activity and they're seeing a lot of activity in their senior centers as well. So we do as much work in the senior centers as we do in the schools. And we have those two populations that are really rising in numbers. I have to have an army of people helping me educate. We can't just educate by ourselves. We just have to train everyone to pass the positive, correct information and bust some of the myths. You said you work with the seniors, but you also work with youth and you work in schools. Can you talk a little bit about Yes. Oh, that is such a wonderful experience. I recently did a youth health fair in a charter school in Manhattan. And some of the things that the young people told me, it was incredible. Like a young man who said he has sex with his boxers on and he won't get any diseases or a young lady who said oh if I drink bleach a teaspoon of bleach in a glass of water I can wash away all the infection in my body not only will she not wash away the infection but she might wash away her life drinking bleach but 
The thing is that they are very candid and very open to information. The school invited us to come in because the kids need us to talk to them because it starts young. If we don't start young, it's too late after they're an adult and we're trying to change behavior. We have to shape behavior from the beginning, not change negative behavior when it's too late. Speaking of myths now, you mentioned a couple right now. What are some of the craziest, most outlandish myths you've heard? Oh, one of the myths I was talking about was the drinking bleach. Where that one came from, I have no idea. And another thing, the kids really think that oral sex and anal sex is not dangerous. Anal sex is the most number one way to capture HIV. And they think that if you have oral sex, you're not at risk for HIV. You're definitely at risk for HIV. And you're at risk for a lot of STDs like herpes, the gift that keeps on giving, and chlamydia and syphilis. They don't know that there's stages of syphilis where you don't see any symptoms, but you could be shedding cells of syphilis in someone else's mouth. They really are not clear that they're in danger. We have to let them pass the information the way they're passing this virus. That's the only way we're going to combat it. If we grow up a group of people who are information warriors and who know for themselves what's right and what's wrong and what's going to keep them safe. Testing is not just, do I know my status? Who am I? Do I know if I'm positive or negative? No, it's what is the information that's going to keep me negative? Or what is the information, if I'm positive, that's going to keep me from contracting a different strain that will make my medication invaluable to me? Counseling is a big, big part of it. And when you're identifying a positive, it's so important to connect with that person, to make sure that they get something right away that they can hold on to so that you don't just test them and, and throw them away. You want them to know that you are part of the family now and we got you. Could you talk a little bit about what you think are risk factors for people who are in vulnerable communities? with high HIV rates? Well, I think it's like if you were swimming in a lake and it had one crocodile in it, if you're a good swimmer, you could probably swim to the other side and get out with your life. You wouldn't get touched. But if you're swimming in that same lake and it has 50 crocodiles in it, you're going to get bit and you might not get out with your life. It's like that for African Americans and Latinas because there are so many people in our populations that are infected and affected we don't want to believe that that wonderful person that we're dealing with sitting across from us could possibly give us a life-altering, life-threatening disease. And denial and disparities in health care and the fact that we take care of other people and not ourselves, that's why we have high cholesterol, diabetes, um, high blood pressure, and HIV, because we're not concentrating on how to keep ourselves healthy and how to keep ourselves safe. And the disparities don't help because a lot of us are uninsured and underpaid. So our risk factors have to do with our socioeconomic condition, our sensitivity, stigma, and lack of adequate health care. What do you think that can be done to fight that stigma? We have to unmask the stigma. We have to make it so that if you have high blood pressure and you have HIV, that you're looked at the same way. We have to stop people from thinking that this is because I was a bad person. The only way that we can fight stigma is with education. The only way to fight fear is with hope. Holistic, optimal, personalized, excellent care. Hope. And that's the value of Harlem Hospital, Harlem Family Center. We replace fear with hope. Shifting gears a little bit. How do you fund the programs that you do that are outside of your work? We were talking about that a little bit. Well, I have to be creative, okay? Um, Working in Harlem, the hospital has a very, very extensive 
inpatient and outpatient program. But what I do is community outreach. So I have to bring the information to the community. And I have to do that in a variety of ways. I partner with area CBOs, like I partner with Food for Change, who feeds the homeless. I partner with HCCI, who houses people who don't have homes. I partner with NYSHA in housing projects, like Metro Plus, who provides health care for those uninsured. That's a big problem in our community. So I go to the people that have the products and services that want to reach the population that I serve, and I partner with them, and we're able to reach more people that way. Cookie Johnson came to Harlem last year, so I have to partner with the company that she works with. We have to be creative, like we're doing a, something called stomping at the Voodoo Lounge, and we're going to be um, partying with the college crew. They get tested, they get in, they get a little information, they have a little fun, but we have to make them understand that this is a real epidemic, and we've got to combat it together. So we have to be creative in how we uh, come up with ways to reach the, the population, and we have to go where the people are. We can't just have this great event. We have to go where the people frequent. So that's what we do. Thank you so much. The opinions expressed by hosts or interviewees in this podcast do not constitute professional advice, should not be considered substitutes for professional services, and do not necessarily represent the opinions of Body Health Resources Corporation or its sponsors. Please see the full disclaimer online at thebody.com. If you have comments or questions, please contact us. This has been HIV Frontlines U.S. Edition from The Body. Be sure to check in frequently at thebody.com for the latest news and information on HIV. 